evening. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, just want to thank you for your grace and mercy. I want to thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. And Lord, as we're about to open our Bibles this evening, as we're about to investigate your word, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we thank you, Father, for this gift. And we praise your holy and most blessed name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, my friends, we're going to go ahead and start here. So this is exclusive. Those of you who are listening on the podcast and those of you who are in the webinar, you are special. Because tonight, Facebook does not get to see it as we would want them to see it, unfortunately. So I'll just have to rebroadcast it another time. Tonight, we're studying prophecy. And in studying prophecy, my friends, it's going to require us to establish some principles and use some of the principles that we talked about in how to study the Bible. And when we are looking to understand how to study the Bible and looking to understand how the principles of Scripture are to be applied, we must come as humble, appreciative students of God's Word. And I know that many times we have approached Daniel 1 and folks have studied it, and sometimes they overlook some of the most basic things because they think they know. When you think you know, when you come with a position of arrogance, like I've been there, done that, known this for thousands of years, then you often will miss the very basic principles that God is seeking to share. And so I want you, if you will, with a humble heart and with a humble mind, enter into this study. Because when you do, I promise you, you're going to find some precious gems that you have not observed before. So Daniel 1, it all, all starts here. Like there would be no Daniel 2 or Daniel 7 or Daniel 8 or Daniel 11 or 12. There would be no prophetic outline of what's going to happen if there was no Daniel 1. Daniel 1 sets up everything else. Daniel 1 sets up everything else else. And you don't want to forget that. You, you want to make sure you keep that in your mind. Daniel 1 sets up everything else. So open our Bibles. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1. And we're looking at verse number 1. And there are some things that we're going to go over that are obvious. And there are some other things that we're going to go over that are not so obvious. So Daniel 1, look at verse 1. The Bible says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of, what's it say, my friends? King of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. So notice the king of Babylon is coming to Jerusalem and besieging it. Now, just, just a reminder, I do have a handout. It will be coming to you tomorrow morning. So you should be getting this handout in the morning and you can go over the study again. But the king of Babylon is coming to besiege Jerusalem. Verse two. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now, if you're a surface reader, you'll read right past that and miss some very interesting points. Point number one I want to bring out. The Lord gave Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim is the king of what nation? He's the king of Judah. He's the king of the remnant. He's the king of the last nation that's standing because Israel has been scattered. Judah is that kingdom. And Judah, because they have not been what they were supposed to be, God had to use a correctional means using Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to bring them into captivity. So keep that in mind. God gave the remnant into the hands of a pagan king. Now, the question that I always raise when I read that is why? Why would the God of heaven take his children, 
his remnant and put them into the hand of the pagan king. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And we're looking at verse number 15. And you're going to find that the hinge, you know how the door has hinges and it opens and closes based on those hinges. You're going to find that the hinge of Bible prophecy rests with the law of God. The hinge of Bible prophecy rests with the law of God. Watch this. The Bible says, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, with I, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and, what's it say? Overtake thee. And then the Bible goes on to list all the myriad of things that would transpire if God's people violated his law. Now jump down to verse number 49. Notice particularly what the Bible says here. The Bible says in verse 49, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth. As swift as the eagle flieth, nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. And he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land until, until what? Until thou be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee neither corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind, or the flocks of thy sheep, until he hath destroyed thee. Watch verse 52. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates, until thy high and fence walls come down, wherein thou trustest. Throughout all thy land, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates, throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Now, if you paid attention to that passage, verse 15 said, if you don't obey God's law, then these curses will come upon you. Verse 49 to 52 highlights one of the curses, and it is that if you violate, I'm going to send a nation from far, and they are going to speak a language that you don't speak. And they're going to take all your produce and they're going to surround you and they're going to besiege you on every side and your walls will be broken down. Now, this is happening in fulfillment in Daniel chapter one. Nebuchadnezzar from a far country of Babylon travels nearly 999 miles if he goes around the, the desert. Now, if he goes through the desert, it's not so far, but if he goes around the desert, it's about 990 something miles. And he gets to Jerusalem and he takes captive a people and makes them subject to his kingdom, just as the Bible said it would happen. And God is the one that sets up kings and he's the one that takes down kings. So this is not Nebuchadnezzar with his own intellect and his own power, but this is in the providence of God to instruct the people of God and help them in, in regards to their rebellion against God. Now let's take this a little bit further. And in your in your own time, and when you get the notes tomorrow, I want you to look at Jeremiah 27 verses 21 to 22. And I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 39 and verse 7. All these highlight this idea that God is dealing with his rebellious house. And let me just ask a question, because you guys are you guys are honest. Do you think God's people today are being faithful or do you think we're being rebellious? You can, you can put the answer in the answer box. Do you think we're being faithful as a people? Or do you think we're, we're being rebellious? We're doing our own thing. We're, we're breaking and violating God's law. Because, my friends, if we are doing the same things, if we're doing the same things that God's people have done in the past, then without question, my friends, we're in trouble. And so this is why God allows for pestilence to come, like the, 
this COVID virus, right? So now people are more studious. They want to pray more. They want to be more intelligent in regards to prophecy. Is this the last days? Are, are these the seven last plagues? And, and there, there are questions that are being asked, even by the people of God, that you got to scratch your head and say, wait a second. Are, aren't we students of the book? Aren't we people of the book? Why are we running around being reactive instead of proactive? Why are we acting like we don't know what's going on and doing all the things that the world is doing, but not really understanding what we should be doing in this time. It's because, my friends, we've been in rebellion. We've become the model and mimic what the world desires. And when we begin to do that, God says, I have to do something that awakens the stupor of my people so that they can be about the business as God has designed it to be. Now, let's go a little bit further with this. I want us to read in verse number two. Go back to Daniel. Go back to Daniel. Go back to Daniel. Daniel chapter one. And look at look at verse number two. I have to. I'm turning the pages with you, so sometimes my pages get stuck together. So Daniel chapter one, verse two. And notice here, it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with the part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princess. Now, the king is being selective. He wants to bring certain. He doesn't want to bring everybody. He wants to bring particular. Now watch what he's selecting because it's actually quite telling. And the Verse 3, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of, the, of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish, interesting, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Pay attention. Now, I have a little phrase that I call all the stories in the Bible. They're all prophet stories, okay? They're all stories that are instructive for us in the last days. Now, if you look at this king and you ask yourself the question, what is the king looking for? The king is looking for the best. Would you agree? The king is looking for the best. He wants the wisest he wants the most cunning he wants those that can understand science he wants those that can understand language he wants those that are, have the ability to stand in the court of the king i tell you something the pagan king was not a bad king in this sense i think the pagan king was looking for the same thing that the king of kings looks for the king of kings looks for those who are wise who are understanding who are skillful the king of kings looks for those who are looking to understand science the way God wants it understood. The king of kings is looking for people who, who are able to stand in his presence, my friends. And in this time frame that we're living in, it is preparatory for that opportunity to stand in the presence of the Most High. Do you know every day we have this opportunity? Every time we get on our knees to pray, we're ushered into the very throne room of the Most High. I, I remember... Steps to Christ saying, uh, prayer does not bring God down to us, but prayer takes us up into his presence. Can you imagine that, my friends? Every time we pray, we are transported, if you will, into the throne room of the Most High. And who is able to stand? Only those who have clean hands, my friends. Only those who have submitted themselves in totality to God are able to stand in their place with him. So the king is looking for character. He's looking for nobility. He's looking for those who would properly represent the court of heaven or the court of or in Babylon. And I say 
the, the God of heaven is looking for people who will represent the court of heaven. I say he's having a hard time finding folks. But I think, my friends, he has every intent and he has every desire, even for those of us who are listening and I'm speaking. He wants all of us to be representatives of him in this crazy, wicked world. Now, pay attention now. Verse five. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof. They might, what's it say? They might. For them, the intent of the education is so that they can stand before the king and the intent of the diet is so that they can stand before the king. I wonder, does that have any application for us today? Is there an education that God wants us to have that will have us stand before him faithfully? The answer is yes. Is there a diet that God has for his people that will have us stand before him in the day of judgment? Yes. This, this modality that the king is using is a modality that heaven itself uses. However, this king doesn't understand what eternal principles are in regards to what he's doing. No, no. These were all their Babylonians' names. I mean, I didn't even really know they had other names. The only name I knew was Daniel. That was the that was the only name I knew as a child for these men. But they, their names are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are their Hebrew names. Their their names that their parents gave them. And you're going to see in a moment why these names are so important. But watch this. It says, verse number seven. Uh, actually, actually, yeah, verse number seven. It says, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel Shadrach and to Mishael of Meshach and to Azariah of Abadnego. Now I'm going to share my screen with you. I, I, I looked up these names. I looked up these names. Let me share my screen here. I looked up these names and I thought they were quite interesting. Notice Daniel's name means God is my judge. You see that? So when the Hebrews, you know, that, that word L, any title at the end of a name of a Hebrew name. So Daniel is God is my judge. But they changed the name of Daniel to mean Belteshazzar, which means Prince of Bel or Bel protects. You see the name change? One name is glorifying God. The other name is glorifying a pagan God. Notice Hananiah means, or one of the name, what one of the meanings that was given was gift of God or grace of God. Shadrach is the name that they gave Hananiah, and Shadrach means servant of sin or command of Aku. You see that, my friends? These name changes are religious in nature. Mishael means who is what God is. It's a question. Who is what God is? Meshach means who is as Aku. So they gave Mishael the name Meshach. Who is as Aku? And then for Azariah, it means Jehovah helps. It's one of the, the definitions that we're given. But Abadnego, which is the name they gave Azariah, means servant of Nebo. You guys follow that? Servant of Nebo. So it seems to me, and 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 it's man. My middle name is Chikondi, which means love. My last name is Waller, which means standard. So my mom and dad named me with intent, man of love with a standard. Names have. Most names have meaning. 
say Donald Trump, what comes to your mind? Oh, that's the president. Some of you like him, some of you hate him. I say Michael Jordan, some of you be like, oh, the great. the name of Daniel to something else, they're trying to adjust character. Now back up for a moment. Back up for a moment. I, I need you to think. I need you to think. Uh, I Hopefully I put it here. No. He taught them he's about He changed, and then what did he do? He changed their names, but their true education is the development of the mental, the physical, and the spiritual. The false education made a resolute decision within themselves that they maintain loyalty to God. Now, this has powerful import. In fact, you're with me. Go to Daniel chapter 9. Look at verse number, verse number 7. Verse number 8. Verse number 8. Now, it, again, if there is no Daniel 1, there is no Daniel 7. And for us, if we don't get the principle in Daniel 1, you will not understand the principles in Daniel 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 or 11. You must understand the principles here in Daniel 1. So watch the first thing that happens here. But Daniel purposed in his, what's it say? In his heart. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would defile to the word defile is a, a word used when talking about the sanctuary or something that's holy and then somebody's defiling it. It's something that's sacred that's being messed up. So Daniel purposed in himself that he would not defile himself. He would not make himself unclean. Powerful, my friends. So Daniel purposed in himself that he would not himself. With the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he makes a decision. He requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, why, why, why use that language? Go with me to the book of First Corinthians. First Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter six. First Corinthians, chapter six. And I want us to read verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the, what's it say? Is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, my friends, do you see your body as a temple? You know what they do in temples? They worship in temples. They bring offerings to temples. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Then it goes on to say, Which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Mm. For ye are bought with a, what's it say? With a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you see that? So your body is a temple. Daniel said, I will not defile my body. I will not defile this temple. 
I will not bring anything that is unclean into this temple, for it is sacred. My body is sacred. My body is pure. You know, my friends, if we thought this way, how much better would we treat our temples? How much better would we put in things that would build this temple up and purify this temple than putting in things that would defile it? It's powerful. I think about it all the time. I was like, Father, what does it mean? You guys know that in the book of Genesis, when Cain and Abel are bringing an offering, and Cain brings an offering of fruit. You guys know that fruit offering? It was a thank offering. And what, what normally happens before you eat your food? What are you supposed to do before you eat your food? You're supposed to say what? You're supposed to, you're supposed to say grace. Do you realize that when you're saying grace and then you offer your offering to your mouth, you're offering an offering to God? Now, nobody got it. I think I'm just talking. <laughs> when, you're, when you say grace and you are blessing that food, you are blessing the food and then you are entering the offering into your mouth as if you are offering an offering to God. Pre present your body a living sacrifice. A temple, my friends. In fact, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, this same idea. When Daniel is making his resolute decision that he would not defile himself, he sees himself as a temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 16. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is, what's it say? For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Do you see it? The temple of God is holy. And therefore, whatever I put into my body temple, it should be meeting the requirements of what heaven says should be holy. Holy. Which temple ye are? Back to Daniel 1. Back to Daniel 1. So when Daniel makes a resolute decision within, within himself that he would not defile this temple... He now has entered into a covenant with God. Now, I'll tell you something, my friends. When you enter into a covenant with God, God begins to do something supernatural special for you. Things that you would never, ever, ever think that you would have the ability to do or things that will come into your experience that you, you would never be able to have because God and you are married in one. And he's always looking out for the best for his children. Now, watch this. Watch carefully, because again, I've read this before, and I've missed it many times. So watch this in Daniel chapter 1, in verse number 9. So once he made the decision that he would not defile himself, and he goes and he pronounces this commitment, he says in verse number 9, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now what does that mean? God had brought Daniel into favor. Now, sometimes we think God shows favorites, right? He has like Moses and Abraham, and he has all these super Samsons and all these great, great characters of the scripture. And you're like, man, I wish, I wish God would do something like that for me. I wish, I wish I had the same access that these men had. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to share it with you. You're going to see it. And by God's grace, it will open a new paradigm for you. You and I have the same access. You and I have the same privilege. Let me show you how God brought Daniel into faith. Let me show you how God brought Daniel into favor. Look with me. The book of Proverbs. We're looking at chapter 3. The book of Proverbs. And we're looking at chapter 3. Watch carefully what the Bible says here, my friend. Proverbs chapter 3, and we're starting reading at verse number 1. Proverbs 3 and verse 1. Watch what it says. My son, 
Forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my, what's it say? Commandments. For length of days and long life and peace. the law. Okay, watch this. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. You know, that's, that's some serious language. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. So shalt thou find, what's it say? Favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. How is, how is one brought into favor? Write the law in the heart. Bind them about thy neck. Now, for a moment. First of all, we're not going to get a piece of paper. Write them in our heart, right? And we're not going to get a scroll and bind them about our neck. What does it mean? The neck is a vital place, right? If you get your neck get cut, you're dead. If your heart gets plucked out, you're dead. So what is it saying? Treasure God's word as if it were your life. Write them in your heart. Bind them about thy neck. And you will now find favor as you are faithful and loyal. God can say, I find this person. I can trust him. I can put her in positions of influence. I can do this. And when you have that, my friends, you have favor. Doors begin to open for you. Situations that were impossible become possible. Mountains are moved for you because now you are brought into what? Into favor. So let me read it again. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the soul shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. You see, Daniel's not so different from us. You see, Daniel must have been keeping God's commandments. When he resolved in his heart that he would not defile himself, he put himself in a position where God could favor him. And there are so many of us, and I, I was talking, I was giving a, a talk on the Sabbath one time, and one of the believers at the time was compromising his position on the Sabbath. He told me this. He came to me and told me this months later. I had no idea. But I had spoke on being loyal to God and how God is a fighter and that God is the one that told the boss to pay you. The government, if, it, if the government gives you money, that's God telling the government to give you money. The, they are not giving that to you. Your job does not own you. God is your provider. So if God is your provider and God tells you to obey this, then you need to obey what he says to do and let him take care of whether or not you're going to be hired or not. You follow what I'm saying? So when, when Daniel resolved within himself, I'm going to obey God whether I die or not, God says, I can honor that. And now Daniel's brought into favor. Now you'll see that this of Jesus. Watch this. Go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 2, and verse 52. Luke, chapter 2, and verse 52. That's what the Bible says. I, again, I found this to be interesting. Luke, chapter 2, and verse 52. The Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with what? God and man. Did you see it? Jesus increased in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Jesus could only increase in in wisdom and stature and favor of God and man if he is faithful to his own instruction. So now it's not a it's not a mystery to me how to be in favor with God. Now it's not a mystery. Lord, what do you say to do? Father, teach me how to be committed to the truth as it is in Jesus. I am now put in a position of favor because now I know how to deal with God and I know how to deal with my fellow men. And this shows our faithfulness 
to God and God shows his faithfulness to us. I hope you're getting it. I hope that's making sense. But let's go a little bit further. Back to Daniel. Back to Daniel. Back to Daniel. And it's funny because these are simple things. But these simple things put us in the position of being people of, of influence in these final hours of earth's history. There are many that want to understand the mark of the beast. And they want to understand the, the seven last plagues. And they want to understand uh, the seven churches. But they don't understand the simple principle of being obedient to the instruction that God has given. And they want to be like, oh, this is the end time. But at the same time, they have not found an anchor in their walk with God. And therefore, they, they end up being fanatics or end up falling away. They preach about the end, but they're not ready for the end. And that's not what we want. I want to be stable as I'm walking with God. And as I walk into a crisis, there needs to be peace upon my mind, not frantic behavior. No. Resolute peace with God. Let's keep going. Daniel, Daniel 1. Watch this now. We're nearly done. We're halfway done at least. It says in verse number 10, and the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who have appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Now, for a moment, I just want you to see something. In the passage, though they have been brought in favor with this guy, their first first request is actually shifted to someone else because this guy is afraid. He's not he's not willing to put his neck out there for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He's not willing to do that. And many times, my friends, when we do what God says to do, the people around us won't understand what we're talking about. They're going to think of, of us as strange. But don't don't stop doing what God says because everybody doesn't understand what he's told you to do. That's not what we're to do. We're to be faithful to what he's instructed us to do, let the chips fall where they may. So when this guy is afraid to put his neck out there for them, what happens next? Verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, again, I want you to think with me for a few seconds here. The reality is in this passage that the first person that Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah spoke to, that person said, look, I don't want to put my neck out there for you, man. But if you want, you can go talk to this guy. So he goes and talks to this guy, this guy, and they, and they put a testing template out there. And they said, give us 10 days. On this diet and watch and see whether or not we are worse liking or whether we look better. And I find it interesting that they ask for these 10 days to prove God. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, been on a 10 day um, diet or a 10 day, uh, anything 10 days. Uh, we've, I've had to uh, have a cleanse for 10 days. That definitely changes your, your dynamic and how you eat, your taste buds and all that stuff. I've done that before. But if you read the passage, it says that they're going to eat things, pulse to eat and water to drink, and 10 days is going to pass. When the 10 days passes, they are superior. Now, listen to me. And I want to say this quietly so you don't think I'm just being crazy. I don't believe that the food that they ate gave them that much. Hold on. What I believe is they were faithful to what God told them to do, and God put extra juice in the food. You follow what I'm saying? God said, okay, they're going to be faithful to me, so I'm now going to add extra nutrients to this diet. I'm going to make sure that fresh air is extra fresh air. I'm going to make sure that sunlight beams extra on them. Because they are faithful to me, I will bless what they are doing. Same thing with Noah's Ark. You think Noah's Ark protected Noah in the flood? No, no, no. Noah's Ark was an act of faith, and that act of faith God honored by protecting the boat himself. God protected them, not the Ark. 
faithfulness to what God asks us to do gives God the opportunity to show off. Let me say it again. Faithfulness to what God asks us to do gives God the opportunity to show off. It is not marching around Jericho and, and yelling at the top of your voice at the end of those times after you were marching that brought the walls down. The marching is an act of faith. The building of the boat is an act of faith. The eating the way God says to eat is an act of faith. And God blesses the faithfulness of his children as they are faithful to what he has instructed. But he, Jesus Christ the righteous, God I'm responsible for the vitality of the Hebrews, for the protection of Noah, and for the bringing down of the walls of Jericho. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, because if you can get this principle in your life, become dependent upon a man in your life ever again. Faithfulness to God, God honors. Faithfulness to his instruction, God honors. It's not the veggie food that we eat that gives us the strength. It's the God that puts the nutrients in the veggie food that gives us the, the ability to live. It's not the fresh air that we breathe alone that gives us that. It's the God of the fresh air that gives us life. I hope you're understanding, my friends. We need to shift our minds away from the blessing of God and shift our mind to the God of the blessing. Because one day, the blessing may appear to disappear. And if the blessing disappears, will you disappear from obeying God? If the blessing disappears, will you just say, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I'm not going to do this anymore, I don't believe in God, he's not blessing me anymore. Are you serving God for the loaves and the fishes? It is the God of heaven that brought them into favor, and it's, the, and it's this diet that they are eating that God blessed. In fact, if you look up the word for pulse, that word for pulse means that which is grown from the ground. That which springs up from the ground. That's what they ate. And my friends, this diet that Daniel had is the same diet that God's people will have as they come to the close of earth's history. They will eat things that are grown from the ground. And soon... If you haven't put it away already, and, you, and I have a talk coming on on Saturday, on Saturday night uh, where we will be discussing health, but there's one talk that we're going to be talking about, and you're going to want to put away the meat that's in this world today. It is full of all sorts of deadly things that will destroy the body temple, that will hinder our ability from sacred communion with the Most High. I'm encouraging you, my friends. Daniel made a resolute decision. I will not defile myself with the king's meat, or with his wine. I will not take in anything mentally, spiritually, or physically that would hinder God's presence from manifesting in this body temple. That's the decision that he made. And that's the decision that we all have to make daily, my friends. Daily. But let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. Notice this. It says, verse 12, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee. And the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he considered them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days... And fatter and flatter. Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them, what's it say? Gave them pulse. As for these four children, now watch this. Now watch what God does once they honor God. Watch what he does. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all, what's it say? In all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all and things. So faithfulness to God, they go through the crisis. At the end of that crisis, God now puts them at the head of the rock. Faithfulness in the crisis, 
at the end of the crisis, God now puts them at the top. He gives them wisdom and learning beyond normality. I want to read something to you. And this is from a book called Messages to Young People. And again, this is on your going to be on your handout when you get it. It says, when the four Hebrew youth were receiving an education for the king's court in Babylon, they did not feel that the blessing of the Lord was a substitute for the taxing effort required of them. They were diligent in study. Hmm. For they discerned that through the grace of God, their destiny depended upon their own will and action. They were to bring all their ability to the work. And by close, severe taxation of the... There it is. They're faithful to God. And the Bible says God gave them knowledge. Now, God didn't just download knowledge. What they did was they studied. And as they studied, God expanded their brain so that they could retain that knowledge. As they committed themselves, body, mind, and soul to God, God said, I will expand their minds so that as they're studying, as they're organizing their business, as they're raising their family, they are the head and they are not the tail. Watch, watch what else it says. While these youth were working out their salvation, God was working in them to will and to do his good pleasure. Here are revealed the conditions of success. Well, that's interesting. Here are revealed the conditions of success. To make God's grace our own. What do you mean? Daniel cooperated with God by not defiling himself. And by cooperating, God says, I will now bless him and give him and increase his faculties because he has been faithful to me. And when you open up avenues in your life where blessings can come, no question. Watch this. Here are revealed the con The Lord does not purpose to perform for us either the willing or the doing. His grace is given to work in us to will to do. In other words, is the power and now strength to do the right thing. In other words, grace is not just given to cover. Grace is given or imparted to us so that we now have strength. So in Bible studies, the same thing. Like I, I can't get a knowledge of Scripture if I'm not spending time in the Scripture. So there's no special download from heaven where God just gives you the Bible just because you just pray for it. You pray and then you study and you study every day. You spend time every day. Don't skip, if possible, study every day. And you compare scripture to scripture and you start seeing things that you never. You know, as I made the commitment that nearly every night till five nights a week, I'm studying the Bible with you. It's forced me to study like every day. So every day I'm spending time putting together studies and preparing and talking. But it's interesting. Like I'm learning more. The more settled in my being and in my mind because I'm doing it nearly every day. And even when I'm not teaching it, the next day I'm studying more to prepare for when I have to teach again, and it's just strengthening me. And I'm saying to myself, hmm, more about Jesus I want to know. Even yesterday, I was, I can't go into it too much, but yesterday I was studying and this truth just resonated in my brain and I woke up this morning and I was, sh it was it was just it's just so phenomenal what happens because you think you know and then as you study more you realize you didn't think you don't know as much as you thought you knew especially when you're dealing with the mind of God so as you make the commitment to study he expands it he expands it and your mind grows and it grows so yes he blesses these Hebrew boys for being faithful but they exert effort and energy as they are in Babylon, that's why they end up so much smarter and so much intelligent, so much more intelligent.
Notice what it says. And again, I want to read verse 17 and verse 18. It says, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all. And Daniel had understanding in what, my friends? In all visions and dreams. So now God drops a gift on Daniel. It says, now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the units brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. You guys see that? Remember, at the beginning, everything the king was trying to do was to prepare them to stand before the king. But Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah said, we're not going to follow that king's protocol. We're going to follow the heavenly king's protocol. Y'all didn't hear that. The heavenly king's protocol prepared them to stand before the earthly king. Now, let me tell you something. If you're standing before the king of the universe on a daily basis, the throne of the Most High on a regular basis, Standing before the monarchs of this world will be nothing. Did y'all hear that? Standing before the rulers of this world will be nothing because we've stood in the presence of the Most High. So when these young men are standing before the kings of this earth, they are not afraid. They are not hesitant. They are confident in what God has blessed them with. And so it should be with God's children in these last days. As we are faithful to God in our education with our mental development. As we are faithful to God in our physical in our diets, as we are faithful to God in the development of our spiritual walk and our character, that the name the way he designed us to live, and he's going to give us a new pet name, because that pet name is the name that he chose for us as he's seen us grow and as he's seen us develop, he's going to give us a name, just like Jacob's name was changed from Jacob to Israel. From liar and supplanter to overcomer and victor, God is going to give us a new name. So standing before the kings of this earth, standing before the kings of this world, listen, we stand before the Most High. And as we are faithful to him, there is nothing on this world that we should be afraid of. No virus, no law, no man, no woman, no beast. We're faithful to God. He is with us. And in all matters of wisdom, verse 20, and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in the realm. Now, I, I find that interesting. How many days, how many days were they to be um, on this? days of focus probation they were faithful in that and then three and a half years and then god says i'm gonna ten can you imagine being 10 times wiser than everybody else there's a way for it to happen i'm gonna read this i'm gonna read this and we're gonna end it's in the book of psalms the book of psalms psalms 119 psalms 119 it's one of the most powerful passages. And so, uh, Psalms 119 is just powerful all by itself. But Psalms 119. And I want you to look particularly at verses. Yes, Psalms 119, verses 97. Verse 97. Watch this. Oh, how I love thy law. Hmm. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For well, why? For thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. Why? Because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. 
I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I therefore I hate every false way. It's almost as if Daniel, Dan, it, I know David in the psalmist wrote the, the psalm here, but it's almost as if Daniel wrote that. Daniel's meditating on the law of God, on the character of God, and as he's meditating on God's word, he is now made wiser. Why? Because you're, if you're spending time in the presence of the ancient one, if you're spending time in the presence of the omniscient is that we must be faithful to the principles and the teachings that we know and understand. And as we are faithful in those things, God will be faithful to us. When it's like it's impossible, whether we are in captivity or whether it might be that we lose our job, whether it might be that we are sick or whether God is faithful. And God is positioning, and, and I don't want to put the weight on us. I want to put the weight that God is faithful. Be faithful. Because you know at the end of the day, you can take that faith fall into his arms. He's faithful. He's good. He sees the end from the beginning, and because he's faithful, therefore I can be faithful. He's good. Therefore I can. Because the faith comes from me is not my faithfulness or my goodness. It's his faithfulness and it's his goodness. So my challenge is simple, my friends. Find more time to spend with Jesus. Talk with him throughout your day. Fellowship with him and angels as it is our privilege. For it is necessary, especially in these times, as temptations are pushing in like a flood, as anxiety is pressing in upon the minds of men. It is imperative that we find our solace with Jesus. I pray that you understood God's word today. Thank you for tuning in. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being a God of love, for being a God that understands the end from the beginning, for being faithful even when we have not been faithful. Lord, help us to develop educationally, mentally, physically, spiritually, to reflect you in all that we do, that we will not defile ourselves, that we will covenant with you, and you will covenant with us, that we will be a light in a dark place, in a world that needs you more. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for, for tuning next Saturday night, 630. Uh, invite a friend. God bless you. Thank you so much. Oh, I have a raised hand. I have a raised hand. What is? Let me, let me see the raised hand. Raised hand. That looked like my my friend raised her hand. Let me see. Okay, I'm not seeing it. Is that a question? Okay, no question. I thought I saw a raised hand. No class tomorrow. That's right. There's no class tomorrow. Uh, there is no class tomorrow. So, yes, there's no class tomorrow. No class on Thursday, no class on Friday, but Saturday night. But I will be posting things on Facebook so you can have access. And you can always go to our podcast, um, and you can download sermons from there. And this talk will be uploaded on there as well, along with the others that have already already gone on. Gone on. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. God bless you. Maybe maybe the hands over here. Maybe I can see it here. Okay. I see Sister Janice. Sister Janice, are you there? Sister Janice, can you hear me?
That's fine. I can hear you. How are you? Like, <laughs> Well, it's okay. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you too. God bless you too. All right. Good night. Good night, everyone.